Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. I today have with me royalty. Well, not quite so royalty, but this guy, look, he's been around the boat. He, he knows what's going on. He, it's Jason Fame, managing partner of Soar Adventures, somebody who's been in the space for long enough to know what's up and what's down, and somebody who has also got his finger on the pulse as to what the future holds within this space. The man makes investments across this blockchain ecosystem. I'm really, really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this. Jason, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, mate, look, absolutely. Look, I, I'm fascinated, as, as always, speaking with fund managers, VCs, all this type of stuff when it comes to our ecosystem, the blockchain ecosystem. You know, we had a pre-chat prior to this interview and talking about, you know, how passionate we both are about the development growth and, and this being the fourth uh, revolution, essentially, after, you know, the last one was the internet. Now, I've got a quick question. Before we get started into the in-depth stuff, do you want to just walk us through a little bit uh, about what's brought you to where you are here as the managing partner of Sora Ventures? Sure. So I joined blockchain at a professional level in early, early 2016. I was one of the early employees at Fembushi Capital, which is a at that time was one of the earlier um, blockchain funds in the world. Um, and they're based in Shanghai. Vitalik Bullerin was actually one of the GPs. And uh, I had the privilege to be working at Fimbushi at the same time, help the Ethereum Foundation push it within China. Mm-hmm. And um, we actually ended up helping them organize DEFCON 2. That was also um, in collaboration with the LPs of um, Fimbushi. And that was in um, sometime in, I think it was in October or September of 2016. 2017, I... Uh, Mid 2017, I left the firm um, and joined a portfolio company that was very similar to a company called R3, which they mainly focus on what we call distributed ledger technology. The company um, is based in China. They're they're now called Playton. They were formerly known as uh, Jujun Financials, and it was it was highly funded by uh, the LPs of Fembushi Capital, which is Wansan Group, and the Wansan Group was basically their first kind of big conglomerate in China that really put into or you know, dedicated a lot of time and effort and money Took it seriously into, right into yeah into blockchain and i give a lot of credit to to this group of this company that kind of made ethereum or made um blockchain the way it is today in china and today they still play a very important role and and they're very very closely with linked to to the chinese government so they invested about 23 million usd uh, for series a at uh, playton I was kind of their head of business development uh, for the global markets. And at the time, they had about 140 people. And they focused something on what we call MPC, which is multi-party computation. It's basically encryption and DLT, which is uh, basically blockchain. And I was there for about four months and helping them expand and into the more of the U.S. market um, and with a, with a lot of partnerships and understanding from the use case, really diving deeper into understanding the technology and what the use case can actually be. After four months of that, I decided to start Sora Ventures. At that time, it was mostly, if you did any platform of VC fund, uh, it was mostly a company, mostly um, the fund money from your friends or from your investors or from whoever you got you, you raised your fund, your, 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 fund, your money from. Uh, that would have been allocated into a limited company or what we call a, a, 
a, a very non-legitimate entity that had very little protection for your investors. Yeah. And that was kind of like the space we were living in back then. And because time was very, we call it time was very, like opportunity cost is very high. And so it was rare to have anyone, you know, have a real crypto fund, like a real fund dedicated to crypto. And we're probably the first ones in Asia. Um, so we're probably the first one who had like, you know, fund admin, fund, administra- uh, fund administrators, uh, fund custodian, um, and fund auditors. And that was a, a pretty important part to starting Sora Ventures because the, the goal was to aim for, um, for family office and basically traditional money. Um, where at the time, if you did a lot of fundraising, it would have been in the uh, money. Yeah. It would have been people who have been in the, in the, in the industry for a long time. And understanding that the industry is going to move towards kind of like legitimizing and there's going to be more players coming in. There's going to be a transition of old players moving out. Um, we decided to do something that's more regulated. Um, so that's what would you call Sora Ventures now then? Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I didn't mean to. I thought you'd finish. But what would you call Sora Ventures? I mean, are you a blockchain VC? Do you invest yeah, we're, in we're, blockchain? We're still a blockchain VC. So we're, we're, still, we're, we're still an institutional fund dedicated to blockchain equity and and, and token investments. But a big part of that is actually incubation. So we yeah. work with existing companies that are more in the Series A, Series B, or A, Series C, C and uh, we help them basically do something called reverse ICO, which is they take um, a, we, we dive deep, deep, really deep into the product and understand what they're trying to do. And then we try to look at ways that uh, cryptocurrency or digital asset can play a role in it. A lot of times it's less of selling a protocol a lot of times is actually more about making the next money. So, I mean, digital asset for me, it's really trying to really understand um, where else can money be played in. I mean, we look at it, if, you know, USD, for example, it's, you know, it's only as, as effective as having it, uh, like the physical USD bill around you. If you try to use PayPal, um, you can only, you know, you can only accept, use USD if the buyer or the- And the face uh, is fine. Exactly. If, so, which means like, if you're really looking at, Cryptocurrency, what, what that enables is it's, it's basically what we call the PayPal 3.0, which is it's going to be a much more easier way. It's, it's going to be much more powerful than what we're seeing in, for banks, much more powerful than what we're seeing in, in PayPal, much more powerful than, than the physical dollar bill or actually any form of fiat. And that's what we're trying to reinvent. But we understand that to go from like zero to one, to go from like zero to maybe starting a new currency, but that's you know, highly backed by government. That's that's very like unrealistic, yeah. especially in this current time. But yeah. what you could do is start from a very simple use case and work from there. And a lot of times we work with basically large companies that already have some form of monopoly in their market. I and mean, the first one we did was with the Seventeen Media. So basically, the chairman of Seventeen Media started a token called Mithro, um, and we helped them with a lot of listing and and designing how the crypto will work. But a big part of that is trying to implement a lot of technology into replacing some of the uh, middleman players. So like, for example, uh, Google, for example, Apple, Apple Pay, for example, PayPal. Yeah, rely on the, on the monopolies. And depending on which jurisdiction you're in, uh, you're, you're, you're almost like bound to end, end up using one to one of the kind of payment system. If you're in Japan, then they have a different payment system yeah. equivalent to PayPal. If you're in Taiwan, it's, they use something that's equivalent to PayPal there. But in the U.S., you use PayPal. So there's a lot of opportunities for that. For, for that, so the, the idea here is instead of using, going with different third parties to take in five you percent know, or ten percent of the commission, we end using digital asset, which is basically your own digital asset, and a lot of times that's less than one percent. 
And that's one of the best things about blockchain, right? It's, it's you create the ecosystem. The difficult part is getting the, um, I guess, the use case on that. When it comes to B2B, B2B is all about saving costs. So if, if my business, like in, in my businesses, with what we do, we have to use certain payment gateways because we're crypto and we, we can't do, we can't go out and market like a normal business because Google, Facebook, Twitter, all the big dogs, we can't go out and do, you know, cost per acquisition type stuff that we would normally do. It's, it's a very different game. Now, we were shut out of Stripe at the very beginning of our inception of the company, and they, they held a substantial amount of money from us. Thankfully, we, we, it wasn't money that we needed at that time. But for 90 days, we were shut out. Now, they came back to us in groveling knees saying, we're sorry, we did the wrong thing, blah, blah, blah. But that, that, that could, I mean, if, if, if our business wasn't as strong as what it was, that could have effectively put us out of business. We can't, this is, I mean, we're talking about being, we're in 2019. We are in the goddamn digital age, right? How can one business, one, and it wasn't, it wasn't Stripe that had the issues. Anyone who's listening from Stripe, you're good with me, right? We're cool. But it was the bank that was backing Stripe's payment facilities in Australia that effectively shut down our entire payment gateway, forcing us to use PayPal, and we take payment in crypto. That was fine. But the PayPal side of things, they sting you 4% in, 4% out. Now, we pay our staff through PayPal. We're getting our 8% hit from $1 in. On the way out, we're getting $0.92. Cents. And that's a extra addition to your bottom line, creating less margin for your business. And when you're a startup, God, it's not that easy to deal with. So can you please yeah. solve that and hurry up and do it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, cryptocurrency is supposed to get off a lot of the middlemen. And, you know, um, I think the big part is actually bringing efficiency um, and scalability for a lot of startups a lot faster. And so instead of having to talk to a new third party at every new jurisdiction, um, you just use your own digital asset. As long as you're able to make that digital asset easy to buy, then that that's that's not a problem. Absolutely. Now, look, I picked up on something that you just said a second ago when you were talking about what you guys do there at uh, Sora Ventures. Did you work with companies to do their A, B, C, D, and so on rounds? Now, when you are you helping to structure their offering? to traditional market players or are you looking more at structuring it for the crowd? How do you structure each company that you're involved with to raise to help? Now, obviously, there are good companies out there uh, that need money and they need money now because it's a wonderful time for acquisitions right now as we stand here on the 25th of February uh, with the market being down. Now, as valuations in asset classes or tokenomics or so the um, crypto assets go up, so too will the valuations of these companies. So it's, a, it's about striking fast while the iron's hot. How do you help companies to do that? Is that your central emphasis and your unique value proposition? Uh, yes, but a big part of us is actually we just lead them. We lead around, and that's why there's incentive for them to work with us. Uh, usually we, we take a big stick in, in the token, and then what, we, what we'll do is we help them structure the token economics. We help them... Yeah, with list do with listing, we help them uh, with marketing. We help them with, you know, understanding the strategies. I think a big part of understanding um, crypto is really understanding your market. And because the market changes all the time, um, you really need to have different strategies to prepare for different markets. Um, for example, six months ago, if you try to fundraise, it would, it would have been a lot easier compared mm. to now. And 
you know, moving forward, I think if you try to use the same model and try to sell protocols, it will be very, very tough because that, that story doesn't, it's hard to sell. <laughs> uh, just with, you know, just with white paper is hard to sell where people want to see real products and VCs want to see, um, you know, a, a team that's been proven to, to be very, to have effective, track effective to have track records and able to execute. And realistically, you cannot, it's hard for any VC to execute on, on you know, due diligence on that unless the, the, the founders have actually done some form of um, startup before. Right. And, and the best startups is the ones that already have the existing startups. You know, it's hard to even do due diligence on past startups because the company is either sold out or gone. It's usually very hard to do that. It's very timely, but it's very, it's much easier to do due diligence if the company is, in, is still around and they're still running that company. And a lot of times we can get data um, and get information on how the company is doing and how if this company is, is, is cash flow positive. All that stuff can be can be kind of can be transparent from day one, and mm-hmm. at the same time get to meet their investors. You know, once we pin down on a strategy and you know they're down to working with us, then we usually lead the round, we lead the round, and then we bring in other investors of, uh, that we work with. And then, of course, sometimes some sometimes we we have exchanges that come in with us as well. And then usually we try to list them. And then depending on the strategy, depending on the market, we would uh, we would perform those execute those strategies. Um, and the goal is really to have to get them on the top 100 on coin market cap. And, and I mean, I know of a few people that have arms into China and, and how business is done there and successful raises. And it seems to be a very um, mafioso type world. And I don't mean that in the, in the negative sense of, you know, we're going to put a bullet in your head. <laughs> I mean that more in the sense of kind of like every ecosystem, I suppose, you know who you know and, and, and there's the higher echelons that talk to the higher echelons and you got to work your way into those higher echelons to really be taken seriously. And when you are taken seriously, well, you can create somewhat of the bidding war and even if not, it's about Johnny knows Dave. I'm not sure the Chinese names of Johnny and Dave. I'm sorry, Jason, but uh, <laughs> Johnny knows Dave and Dave has the exchange and Dave's got a big exchange and will get listed. So therefore, Johnny can get his project listed on that exchange for a lower amount, so forth and so on. Now, whether it be listing on exchanges or getting into the um, foothold of those higher VC, uh, long arm reach companies, it's really about who's connected. So you're obviously in that space. What are you looking for with Sora Ventures at the moment? Like, what sort of projects are you looking for? Well, we're still very much interested in equity companies that are interested in launching token. I think um, actually six months ago, six months ago, I wrote an article on basically saying that 2019 and 2020 will be a year of basically what we call um, it, it's basically what we call like uh, use case tokens. So less of protocol tokens, a lot more on like real companies launching certain tokens or what we call reverse ICO. But there are many terminologies that people refer to, but in the end, it's basically an enterprise token. So it's like an existing company, let's say, for example, like um, uh, BitTorrent, they launched it recently, did their ICO. But, you know, BitTorrent is like, oh, it's, it's an existing company. It's been yeah. around for a long time. And then they decide to uh, launch their own token, right? So I think that the trend moving forward will, will be a lot more equity companies or a lot more existing companies, and they'll look into doing a token for many reasons. But the biggest reason I think would be for marketing, for fundraising, and mm-hmm. for being able to target new new markets. Um, and we, we've seen that a lot already because um, this is, I think, moving forward, 
investors are going to be very smart about what they invest and they want to look for information that is verifiable. They want to look for information that is easy to check as opposed to just some story. And the best way to do that is really to work is to look at existing companies. Yeah, no, it, it makes perfect sense. And I mean, look, we've got to talk about price. Okay, we've got to talk about where we're at. We've got to talk about where we're going. Um, it, it's a really important thing. All, all the people that are watching and listening to this, they want to know. You're, you're in the VC landscape, uh, you know, Sora Ventures, you're out there buying companies, you're doing deals, you know, you, you're working at a business level, which I think is incredibly important. And some of the points you've brought up and raised, I, I think are also very important. You know, no longer can a uh, 19 year old who's come out of university or still in university basically do an assignment and raise $30 million. And I think that's a fantastic thing for the market. I think the ICO boom of 2017 was a bit painful, a bit silly, and it hurt a lot of people. And you know, of course, we've, we've gone into a bear market to the age of 2018. Uh, and in 2019, I don't know what it's going to hold. I'm a trader. I read price action. I, I trade what I see, not what I think. What, what do you? What, where are you positioned right now? You've got hands in many pies. I'm in a fortunate position where I get to speak to lots of very intelligent people. No one's talking about price. They're talking about development. They're talking about use case. They're talking about business. They're talking about revenue models. What do you think is going to be one of the catalysts to get us outside of this range where we go sideways, down, sideways, down? What's the market waiting for, in your opinion? Do you have an opinion on that? You don't need to, but I have to ask. Well, I think um, a lot of people are still waiting for regulation. I think a lot of people are still waiting for, uh, well, there's, there's three obvious kind of, uh, well, two, there's two obvious uh, signals that I think a lot of people are waiting for. One is the Bitcoin hacking. Uh, the second one is uh, the Bitcoin ETF. Yeah. Um, but although there are obviously many arguments that says, like, honestly, even with the Bitcoin ETF or with the Bitcoin packing, like the price wouldn't go up that much. I think this, these are at least some form of hope that these people are starting to wait, you know, are, are still waiting for. The second, the third part, in my opinion, I think is people are still waiting for large companies to do to to do token offering. And although I think. At this point, a lot of people are exploring on blockchain. I think it's 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 inevitable, but that any of these top uh, top five hundred tech companies in the world will end up doing some form of token offering in the yeah. future, given that they have the proper way of doing it. And a lot of time, a lot of times, it boils down to you know having very concrete, safe uh, security. For example, you know, U.S. runs on case law, and until we see uh, you know maybe a sufficient amount of case law that actually protects companies that launch that that does a token offering you know then we'll probably see a lot more larger companies um looking into doing that i mean the, the thing is i think our, our our space in the last two years have seen have moved so fast that all the things that technology provided seem kind of sketchy right and the ico yeah. seemed like a like a basically quick way to make money and yep. you know um a way to raise capital without giving equity yeah Right, right, basically, right. So everything that in our space kind of did in the last two months, I think, uh, last two years, I think, was obviously a lot of negativity more than positive stuff. But the technology itself is legitimate. And I think the point is, how can we actually turn some of these technology into something that we'll call a real use case, a disruptive use case? And I think that will boil down to having, number one, proper backing and proper compliance, depending on which jurisdiction you are, but in the jurisdiction you operate in. And the second part is having uh, legitimate players to support that. So that that's why we like to, you know, um, work with companies that already are in kind of a series B, series D or series D 
or, or pre-IPO and potentially work with them because these are kind of leaders in their own industry. And a lot of times it's always the industry leaders who kind of make the mm-hmm. first move that will get other people to join. Absolutely. Well, look, we've had a very good chat. I could literally talk to you all night, but I can't. <laughs> but Jason, it's been an absolute pleasure hearing uh, your thoughts. Um, we're doing hedge fund, or we're doing fund week this week, talking to many different fund managers and, and people in the space to get a, an oversight as to what you guys uh, are really looking for that push, uh, you know, push the bickies around, essentially. I really appreciate your time. I would like you to finish on it. If you could just let us know where people can find more about what you do and how you do it. Yeah. So we have our own medium. So I, I occasionally write medium posts. Um, the second part is, you know, a big part is I think in the crypto space, it's LinkedIn. A lot of people just come and add me on LinkedIn and message me. So that's like by far the most direct way of doing this. Okay. So on LinkedIn, it's so Jason Fang on LinkedIn and check you out on medium. Okay. Thanks a lot. Excellent. Well, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. I really do appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man and I, I, uh, I really appreciate the time that you've taken to speak to myself and my audience. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Jason Fain, Managing Partner of Soro Ventures. Thank Soro, you so Soro much Ventures. Time, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Bye for now.